This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 337. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. Now we will be doing this formally next week, so don't worry. This is one of these awkward Dexter review episodes, two of which have dropped in during my time off. Um, and it felt, it felt apt that we should do them as and when they were coming out rather than have like a recap of three episodes on the week back and it just I mean it's it's worked out opportunistic for this guy that the final episode will drop and the week that we come back next week so it's forced me to keep my hand in over Christmas and over New Year in the old podcast world and at the same time allow me to watch more Dexter which makes me very happy. Now because this is uh, essentially one of these impromptu Dexter reviews there is a whole hell of a lot not happening this week under the stairs. In fact this is the only episode that will drop in your feed. We will officially be back kicking ass, taking names next week on Monday when I bring you not the Dexter finale that'll be coming on Tuesday but I'll be bringing you next Monday my top 20 horror movies of 2021 so that episode will be in your feed on the Monday on the Tuesday you will be getting the Dexter season finale I must stress this we are then back into full throws of podcast content from podcasts under the stairs January is stacked it is like a steroid abused fucking weightlifter it's like all weird and kind of pimply and you know small testicles and shoots early uh, which is basically basically what we'll be doing plenty of roid rage coming your way in January 2022 um, for the Teapots Collective once again I broke my rule there as well today on the Teapots Collective you got a brand new episode of Opera Omnia myself and Bo trying to play catch up with the fact that that season should have finished last year uh, but we gave you the penultimate episode in the Fincher series looking at Gone Girls that episode is now available now so if you're missing the sound of my voice if you're sitting there going I wonder what Duncan sounds like without delving back through the over 1000 episodes of podcasts under the stairs and god knows how many on the Teapots Collective well there's an episode there for you to listen to so you can jump across and check that out as well Okay, uh, with all that shit out of the way, let's get into this, shall we? I'm going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You are going to hear the trailer for the penultimate episode of Dexter New Blood. This is episode number nine, The Family Business. When I return, I'll be giving you my views on that episode right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com, 
the Psychosemantic Podcast. When your grandfather found out what I was, he gave me the code. The Bay Harbor Butcher. I'm going to challenge everything you think you know about who he was. Merry Christmas, Chief. Mind if I come in? Sometimes I have the urge to hurt people. You're a dark passenger. Merry Christmas, kiddo. See you around. And welcome back. So you have just heard the trailer for The Family Business. This is episode number nine, like I say, the penultimate one in Dexter New Blood. Uh, this one originally aired January the 2nd, 2022. Directed by Marco Siega, who's been doing quite a lot in here. Um, pretty much splitting up his duties with uh, one or two other directors overall. Um, it's based on the characters created by Jeff Lindsay, obviously. Clyde Phillips back in the, the control of the writing here. And the return of Scott Reynolds, who does the Dexter podcast. Scott Reynolds was one of the chief... Um, writers pretty much throughout the entire original run of Dexter so um which kind of made a lot of sense here specifically in the kind of flashbacks that we get to old Dexter and we're going to get into that in a little bit but let's uh let's get into this one um so we have uh like the a throng of the same characters that you're kind of used to at the moment uh, we have Michael C. Hall, Jack Alcott, Julia Jones, Johnny Sequoia, Almo Miller, Clancy Brown, Jennifer Carpenter, Jamie Chung, David Majidov. Um, Michael Lawrence appears in this one. Michael Lawrence plays Wiggles the Clown. We're going to get to that in a second. We've got uh, Colin Allen. Uh, John Lithgow is credited in this one, but I actually can't remember seeing him in this episode unless I missed a clip. Unless it was a flat. I don't think there was any new John Lithgow in this. Might be wrong. Someone's probably paid more attention to me. And um, we've got Rickland Pill as well in this episode. Synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb as Dexter and Harrison find themselves closer than ever over Christmas break, bringing father and son into the crosshairs of a serial killer. Angela starts to wonder if Iron Lake is not the safe place she always thought it was. So, like we've done with the previous episodes, there is essentially three storylines going on here. Um, we have the main storyline of Dexter and Harrison, we have the storyline of um, Angela kind of delving into the Bay Harbour Butcher case uh, and trying to validate her suspicions that maybe Dexter was the Bay Harbour Butcher, of course he was, we know that, and we also have Kurt Caldwell who will, by the end of this episode, be out. Um, and a surprising turn of affairs. I say that I was trying. I was racking my brains on this one. I have a distinct memory that the big bads in Dexter were all kind of taken care of in the last episode, and that's how we did things. Um, but I, I want to say there's at least one or two episodes where they killed them off. Maybe the episode before, and then the final episode was picking up the pieces, which I think. And once again, I'm, it's been so long since I went through the entire series. I might be wrong about that. But that's just how I have it in my head. So I was very surprised that Kurt Caldwell was essentially, for all intents and purposes, executed in this episode. And he left a kind of parting gift, like a lot of these serial killers do. And we will be, we will be getting into that 
in a minute. So those are the three storylines. I'm going to cover Kurt Caldwell ones um, kind of early on here because that kind of makes sense. He links back up, obviously, with his demise with Harrison and Dexter at the end of the episode. So we will... We'll feature into that. Kurt Caldwell, as you remember in the previous episode, uh, was about to kill Harrison, had paid someone to kill Dexter, and when Dexter showed up at the last minute to save Harrison, he kind of scampered off into he kind of like run up into the, the night and disappeared. So we'll find out how he disappeared in this episode. But this one starts, like the introduction of Kurt in this episode is I'm showing up on Christmas morning at Angela's house when Dexter and Harrison and Audrey are there bringing them some peppermint bark. So apparently the best money can buy and obviously not expecting, well he claims he wasn't expecting Dexter and Harrison to be there but they clearly were um, and I clearly think he did and we get this awkward confrontation where they kind of uh, greet each other passively aggressively uh, or passive aggressively, not passively aggressively. Um, in a way where it's all posturing and then Kurt Caldwell disappears kind of setting up the the Dexter and Harrison kind of pursuit of him the next time we see Kurt Caldwell he is <laughs> he is um, outside Dexter's property with the fire hose uh, attached to a kind of petrol container or a gas container as the Americans call it just spraying Dexter's house just absolutely lighting it up um, and then setting on fire, getting ready to pick them off as they run out, because the suspicion is that they're in the house. Now, if he'd spent two minutes uh, doing a bit of recon, he would have realised the house was empty. But that's not how Kurt Caldwell runs. He's all about brute force. And I love this scene because this is the first time, like, a big bad in Dexter has actively went on the, the kind of massive, like, public aggressive push against Dexter. Um... While he's doing that, a sensor is tripped off, and we're going to swing around to that in a minute, but a sensor is tripped off by Dexter, which means that his trophy room has been found, and Kurt goes into full let's get out of here mode, so he hightails it back to his cabin, gets all his paperwork, his money, his clothes, and gets ready to do a runner, only to be apprehended by Harrison and Dexter. We're going to put a pause on that story right there, ladies and gents, and we're now going to turn to Angela. Because Angela, the, the majority of this episode is Dexter and Harrison bonding, which was fucking excellent, and a whole backstory about Wiggles the Clown, which, trust me, we're going to get to. But, um, so Angela kind of starts this episode uh, early on Christmas morning doing, like, a heavy amount of recon into the Bay Harbour Butcher. She's listening to Molly Park's podcast, and she's looking at the exhumed body parts from the bottom of the Miami Ocean. Uh, it's not the Miami Ocean, or so obviously the Atlantic Ocean, but um, in the case of this one, it's at Miami. So it's where the ocean, where the sea, where the sea hits Miami. <sighs> Warm waters and body parts. Lots and lots of body parts. And what she's noticed is on the severed body parts, at the head, at the neck level, there have been all these little circles for injection marks. <laughs> So she's now like, well, these injection marks look just the same as the ones I think Dexter did on these people here. Could Dexter be the Bay Harbour Butcher? Oh, listening to Molly Park's podcast, Molly Park also says that, you know, Dokes, remember Sergeant Dokes? Surprise, motherfucker. Uh, Sergeant Dokes might not have been the killer and he might still be out there and he's very prolific. 
and she has a conversation with Audrey where there's an accidental scare um, where Audrey's like, oh, you're listening to, you know, BHB, the Bay Harbor Butcher episode. And Angela asks her, do you think they got the right guy or do you think he's out there? And Audrey naively says, listen, I'm just glad we live where we live and we don't have to deal with serial killers here. The irony of the situation being that they have two of the most prolific serial killers in the United States, both there at the same time, hunting each other. So, uh, like we mentioned earlier on, Dexter comes round with Harrison. Uh, that's where uh, they come around in the most horrible Christmas jumpers. We will get back to that in a second. They open gifts, but they leave very quickly after Kurt Caldwell leaves, um, with Audrey kind of noting that that felt a bit weird, but they're going to come back for Christmas dinner, which they cancel, and we won't see them now until the end of the episode, and we will link back to that in a minute. The main throng of this episode is Dexter at the beginning, kind of having that heart-to-heart with Harrison that we kind of saw him do at the end, and he explains the code, but he's got Debs in his ear, basically saying tell him everything up to the point of you killing someone please do not tell him that you're a murderer and so Dexter explains what the dark passenger is and as an example here is using Wiggles the Clown so Wiggles the Clown was a child murderer slash child molester who yes you guessed it dressed like a fucking clown because that's creepy as fuck this clown in particular like super super creepy like he takes polaroids of the kids that he wants to kidnap and we're just going to assume rape uh, because he's a clown. And he's doing the weird kind of kind of giggling thing, touching the picture and clearly rock hard, although you can't see his cock. But you just got to imagine fucking stoner. You know what I mean? Just full on big old clown dick hidden in the baggy pants. And uh, Dexter uses him as an example of what he did with the code that Harry taught him, which was you put the legwork in, you make sure that unimpeachably you have all the evidence that that person is a killer, you find their trophies, you then inject them, wake them up, surround them by their trophies, the evidence of their crimes, and then, you know, says essentially that he scares them into not doing it again. And you can tell Harrison feels there's something off considering, you know, his bloodlust that, you know, he seems to have and Dexter seems to admit that he has and scaring someone off doesn't really feel like it would um, sustain or sustenance, it wouldn't give sustenance, there we go, to the dark passenger. So what you get is a kind of lie but an almost truth and he explains that they were both born in blood and this is why and Harrison kind of actively admits to him that you know you know it kind of makes sense and he's glad that he shared this stuff because you know he's had this carrying around with him for a while now that's just this this rage this need to hurt someone and he, he couldn't work out where it come from and, and Dexter's explained that to him We've obviously talked about the Christmas morning, so they both wear Christmas jumpers. Dexter gives him a hunting rifle for his Christmas, which is an interesting thing to give him, and I don't know if that feels like Chekhov's rifle, that that's going to play a part potentially in the finale, which we're going to talk about at the end of this. Um, it turns out Harrison is a crack shot. Like everything else Harrison puts his mind to, it turns out he's really fucking good at it. 
and so they go to Angela's and Audrey's house for like Christmas breakfast, exchanging the gifts. That's where Kurt shows up. Uh, they leave instantly after him and decide that they're going to try and find where he hides the bodies because Dexter says, listen, I think Kurt Caldwell has been murdering women for 25 years. And Harrison's like, well, we could go to Angela. And he's like, well, I don't actually have any proof. And Harrison's like, well, I'm an other proof. You know, like, he tried to kill me. If I go forward, and Dexter's like, well, then I've got to explain how I got there, my involvement, attention starts coming on me. Harrison, interestingly enough, looks at Dexter in the way that Dexter wanted everyone to look at him in the original TV show. So remember, he always had this idea about the Dark Defender is how he saw himself, like this superhero that people would ultimately come to uh, kind of like worship and respect and Harrison kind of looks at Dexter that way even before he knows about the killing he kind of looks at him that way um you will remember in a previous episode Kurt gave Harrison a drone uh, as a present um for saving all the kids at the school and so they use the drone to basically fly over Kurt's property to find out do a bit of recon find out where he is and this is kind of where Harrison comes clean and says, listen, remember that kid that, you know, I saved the school from? I set him up. Um, you know, I, I did that. That was me. And it's not the first time I've wanted to kill. I, you know, I want to kill. I actively want to kill. Uh, I want to kill the Trinity Killer and all the rest. And he all but just asked Dexter, you know, that scared and wiggles the clown. That didn't work, did it? And Debs, you know, is still whispering in his ears, if you tell him you can't go back, you know, once that information's out, it's out. And Dexter says, listen, yeah, I, 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 I killed. I, that's what I did. I, I, I killed them. Uh, and by the way, I, I, you not only did I kill them, but I killed the Trinity Killer. You know, you know the one who killed your mum. I got him. And I got all these different serial killers and like Harrison there's a great point where Harrison says how many people have you done this to and uh, there's an inside box where, where he says go big it was something like go big or go home uh, and Dexter says it's in like the hundreds making him the most prolific serial killer in US history but um, and Harrison instead of being repulsed by this actually feels like this measure of pride I think he uses the like the phrase along the lines of think of all those people that you've helped and saved and protected from doing that and Dexter this is once again this is how Dexter looks at things so he's very kind of this is I should have done this before this is the right thing to do while they're flying the drone over Kurt Caldwell's property they find an air vent um, like an air ventilation hose coming out of the ground and um, meaning that there's something subterranean there which is Dexter's theory of how Kurt disappeared uh, so they go out to the property and they find the entrance to it. They do it at night time because Harrison's like, let's go now. And Dexter's like, remember the code, you do it at nightfall. Um, so they go out there. They're out there picking locks to enter Kurt Caldwell's sanctuary. At the same time, Kurt Caldwell is spraying, actively spraying Dexter's property with, you know, petrol and setting it fucking alight. And Dexter deliberately triggers the alarm as soon as he realizes it to get Kurt Caldwell's attention because he knows how he's going to he knows that he's going to go into flight mode as opposed to fight mode um and this is the best thing to do we finally find out what Kurt's been doing with the bodies um we obviously saw him kind of treating the bodies and embalming them but he puts them in glass cages in this corridor that looks like 
anyone's ever seen um it's like a cross between indiana jones and that movie the prestige the christian bale hugh jackman movie where you finally see the 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 like the cages filled with water with all the clones that are dead in them uh it's kind of like that all these girls have been treated up so they look immaculate like dolls in these cages and as we walk along we finally find out what happened to molly park so we knew that Kurt Caldwell wasn't going to let her go. That death happened off screen, which is a bit of an annoyance for me. I hate shit like that. But she's Molly Park's dead. So no more, uh, what was it? Murder, fuck, killer, whatever her podcast was. Um, she's she's gone. She's gone. She's like one of the, the trophies in the case. Um, so Kurt Caldwell comes back, rushes back to his property, collects all his stuff. Um, as he's like getting ready to make a, a run for it he sees Harrison, Harrison does the distraction Dexter injects him and now we're in Kurt's trophy room and Dexter set up all the plastic, he's explaining to Harrison why the plastic, because no evidence um, we need to make sure forensically anything can't, well nothing can be traced back to us and killing is messy so they bring Kurt back around and once again, we get a bit of the justification for why Kurt does things. Um, Kurt basically claims, and this is a messy thing for me, and we'll get we'll get to it uh, at the end. One of the things I didn't necessarily like about this one overall, although to be honest, it's probably more true to real life. Uh, Kurt basically says that he tried to help these girls by making them not become like hitchhikers and all the rest and as soon as they bite the hand that feeds he essentially kills them and the reason he did that is he saw what his dad did to all these hitchhikers basically picking them up uh, brutalizing them raping them and stuff so this is his way of protecting them which of course just uh, like infuriates dexter dexter's like no it's all about power and control and you got the thrill over it and all the rest you know a killer knows a killer game no what's it game appreciates game so um so yeah, he like kind of, kind of digs into that, um, but like there's there's too much conversation going on here, and like Kurt's like basically talking to Harrison, and Harrison's like, well, why did you come after me? And he's like, oh, like did your dad not tell you? Your dad killed my son, and of course Dexter's like, well, that's because he fit the code, um, you know, he got away with the death of five people, and then you finally see kind of Kurt's recognition about what Dexter's code is and he's like oh so you're just like a is that the way you pick people to kill it's just like some vigilante nonsense some bullshit uh to which Dexter puts stuff in his mouth and then in front of Harrison and giving him every opportunity to leave stabs Kurt Caldwell right through the chest and then you know Kurt's dead it kind of looks at Harrison, and Harrison actually is in awe of his dad at this point. You know, you've done the right thing. We did the right thing. It's one less asshole on the street killing women. Um, and Dexter's like, well, that's just the easy bit now. The hard bit has to happen. I've got to essentially cut the body up into parts. Um, and he says to Harrison, you can go if you want. Harrison's like, no, no, I'm here. But as all the parts are being cut and all the blood starts spilling out, he has a flashback, and this will be the Trinity thing, right, it's all it's all making sense now, it's a flashback again to like the, you know, the bath and the, the you know, the bloody water and all the rest um, and you know, this makes him nauseous, so he goes out for air 
Dexter has, you know, picked up all the body parts. The two of them drive out to the same place that they got rid of um, Kurt's son, uh, Mike, by throwing it in the incinerator, burning the body up. And uh, yeah, once of like Harrison's basically like, well, what do we do now? Won't they miss him? And he's like, well, no, 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 no. Think about what Kurt did. He came back in a hurry, collected all his clothes, collected all his money, um, you know, did all this stuff. It's going to look like he skipped town. It's going to look like he ran away once he'd been discovered. So, and that's what we want. We want that to be the look. So, the, you know, he's out there. Nothing comes back on us. We know that he's away, but no one else does. Uh, so they return back to Dexter's house. Obviously, it's been burned to the ground. Uh, Angela's clearly furious uh, because she's like, where the fuck have you been? And Dexter's like, well, I told you we were skipping dinner to go and look at this blood moon. And she's like, well, I was trying to phone you. And it's like, yeah, I didn't have my phone on, lost track of time. I don't know how this has happened. And at this point, Audrey's like, well, they can come and stay with us, mum. And Angela's like, yeah, maybe? And she's like, yeah, totally. And the episode finishes with... Um, Angela, Audrey, Harrison and Dexter are back at Angela's house getting ready to prep breakfast. Oh, by the way, there was a letter addressed to Angela and when she opens it, inside is a parting gift from one Mr. Kurt Caldwell. It basically says that, and I'm assuming it's Kurt Caldwell, we're going to take a guess here, um, Jeff Lindsay killed Mike Caldwell and inside the envelope are all the titanium parts that Dexter couldn't find from the surgery on his leg. Each of these got a, a kind of a serial number on them, thus turning the attention back to Dexter, and we close into credits. So this was a great episode. The one thing I loved about it, when we're talking about the Wiggles the Clown stuff, is we did old school Dexter in this, so he looked like Dexter of old, it was set back in well their version of Miami we weren't necessarily outside to see it but it was in his old gear the music reflected the old Dexter so it was all the original score that played super fucking cool um, and it kind of played into those you got a glimpse of the old Dexter against you know juxtaposed against the old new Dexter if that makes sense um, which I, I really enjoyed those parts. Uh, I thought this episode, actually, if I'm being honest, as penultimate episodes go, was fucking great. Uh, I loved the demise of Kurt Caldwell. I do think we're, you know, we're leaving a bit too much room in the last episode, but also not enough time, which might seem oxymoronic, but we'll get to it in a second. Um, but yeah, like the layout, the form of it, the kind of reveal of who Dexter is to Harrison, Harrison's acceptance of that, or supposed acceptance of that. Once again, we're going to get to it in a minute. But, you know, it all played out in a particular way, and I, I like the summation of this one. This kind of leaves things off in what feels like a very high-stakes final episode. Um... I thought everyone was great. I, I thought particular Michael Lawrence's Wiggles the Clown. Wiggles is a creepy fucking killer. Like, genuinely creepy killer. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, Clancy Brown, sad to see him go. Worthy villain against Dexter. Um, I do kind of feel we just kind of... We never really got the showdown that I really wanted with him, necessarily. And also, we never really got the full backstory as to why he was doing things. It was always kind of pieced together stuff. So there's a lot of unanswered questions, like, 
we obviously know why he played the song, but was that story told disingenuously to the cops? Um, we, we'll never know. We'll never know, ladies and gents. We'll never know. So yeah, that's um, that's kind of cool. Angela's obviously on the case, which brings me to my thoughts on the final episode. There's really only, what, three ways they can finish this. Dexter is either going to get caught, right? Angela's going to piece it together and he's going to go down as the worst CEO killer of all time. Which is one way to do it, for sure. Second way to do it, um, Harrison could kill Dexter. Like, Harrison could kill him conceivably because he sees that Dexter is, on some level, breaking the code of Harry. Or just giving him the opportunity to do it. Um, that maybe he's given all this stuff to someone who's just not ready for it yet. Um, and Harrison's bloodlust might kick in or Hassan finds out that he toyed with Trinity for a while which led to Rita dying which is a distinct possibility that's your second option um, and your your third option is he goes on the run or Angela decides to keep a secret one of the two I'm going to lump them together um, that doesn't necessarily feel satisfying which brings me to my next point we have to have one of those three endings assuming this is the end of Dexter and no one has said anything yet and they have specifically not said anything which they would have by now Dexter if Dexter's coming back for a new season after this if we're continuing the story on we don't necessarily need any of those endings per se so so much story to get through, like loads. We basically have to have Angela cracking the case of the Bay Harbour Butcher, but she's on a track to do. She's going to need to make a decision about how she handles that. Dexter's going to have to move into self-preservation as soon as he feels the noose tightening around his neck. Um, how this will impact Harrison, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of shit to do. Are we going to uncover Kirk Caldwell's storage facility? Um and put to rest Angela's thoughts. Is that the distraction that Dexter needs to get out? I don't know. If Dexter goes on the run, I can't see that being an ending that makes fans, especially if they're not coming back for a new season, happy, because it's essentially what we got last time. If Dexter's arrested, once again, I can't see fans being really happy with that. And the last one is Dexter kind of has to die which is the only way I think you can put things to bed if you are 100% not doing more decks than after this time will tell ladies and gents it's all to play for one episode they have to wrap this up in an hour which um, I mean they have they've not put a foot wrong this entire season I have to hope that they have a great ending in mind and they basically they wrote that first and planned everything else around it otherwise I mean, I don't know. You just don't know. I've never been so nervous for a season finale of a series in recent memory. Because uh, they could very easily fuck up something that's been incredible. Uh, just by doing one or two things they think make sense that turn out to be stupid as fuck. So, yeah. This episode gets five. I love this. Thought this was great. This is top tier Dexter. Best of the old stuff. Best of the new stuff. A marriage made in heaven. Five out of five for this episode. We're going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing the show and I'm doing it right after this. (laughs) 
You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 337. This has been a look at the penultimate episode in Dexter New Blood. This was episode number nine, The Family Business. Ladies and gents, no more content from Podcast Under the Stairs coming your way until next week when we return a week today to give you my top 20 of 2021. To make sure you don't miss that, wherever your listening is right now, hit subscribe and that way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue. We have a sister feed, which is very important because, like I said at the upfront, We've just dropped an episode of Opera Omnia, which you can only get in the Teapots Collective feed, along with shows like Where to Begin With, Doing the Nasty, and Chronicle. The Teapots Collective is a separate sister feed, but subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. Alternatively, you can jump across to our website, teaputscast.com. Links to all the shows are there, as well as a link to Jaws is Shite, another regrettable outburst. So Boosby's banter entertainment podcast feature myself, The Baz, and Scott Liam from Scott Liam vs. Evil. We will be coming back this month after a month break because we went away and did stuff. And there are so many stories that we need to get into. Uh, I guarantee when that show drops, it may be marginally okay for the airwaves. That's a, that's a guarantee. I am not backing up. Jaws is Shite, another great outburst, is exclusively available on tputzcast.com. If you're on Facebook, you want to interact with me over there, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast will get you the podcast under the stairs. Facebook.com forward slash tputzcast will get you the Teaputs Collective Facebook page. If you want to check out Jaws is Shite, then that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. If you hate Facebook, and who could blame you for hating it, because it is a cesspool of utter fucking shite, uh, but you have to be able to promote your shows, otherwise you are cutting off a huge margin of the listener base in the world. So, uh, I hate it, but I love to hate it. But you don't have to use that. You can use the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. We're over there. Both can be followed at TeaputsCast. The podcast under the stairs returns a week today for our 20, our top 20 of 2021. So until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.